You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular podcast offered online and on iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So thanks so much for tuning in. And today, we've got a pretty incredible show ready for you guys talking about investor psychology and the 14 stages that we all go through as investors when it comes to making trades. And I think it's going to be incredible just not only to recognize the stages that we go through. If you haven't heard this before or haven't seen this somewhere else online, it's going to be incredible to recognize this, right? That's always the first step is knowing. But then at the end of the show, we're going to talk about how you can break that cycle. So how you can actually get out of that cycle so that you don't fall into these pitfalls and traps that most people get into when they become too emotional trading. So the first thing we're going to talk about is a little bit of trading psychology And then we're going to get right into those 14 stages of investor psychology, followed by a pretty interesting little example with some data points on herd mentality, right? So this idea that news media can influence people, but possibly in the wrong direction. And we're going to look at two Barron's examples uh, with the Barron's magazine, which I've done uh, articles for them before, and I was one of their uh, featured contributors to the broker review one year. Uh, so I like what they do, but but it's really interesting what happens with these two articles, and we'll talk about that. And then we're going to kind of wrap things up with trying to understand kind of how you can master your emotions and take your take your emotions really out of the trading, so therefore you can then master the markets, right? So if you can master your emotions, you can master the markets, and that's what we're going to teach you guys to do with some pretty cool techniques here at the end of the show. So, all right, so let's get into it and just kind of talk briefly about this this idea of trading psychology, right? And the whole idea of trading psychology is that there is, you know, ebbs and flows in the market and, and that's created by fear and greed, right? And that's generally what happens with stocks. That's why they go up and that's why they go down, right? People get fearful, uh, so they start selling stocks or people get greedy and they start buying stocks. But there's actually more of a progression that people go through than just being either fearful or greedy, right? There's this kind of process and these stages that they go through like everything in life. But I'm here to tell you that the general market, not mostly options traders and definitely not people that are listening to this podcast because I think you guys are more of an elite class anyway, but the general market and the masses, if you will, do follow this kind of process when it comes to investing. They, They exactly follow this. And this is Frankly, why they don't make any money doing it because they follow this process that that has been the same for years and years and years, and they never kind of get out of that 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 loop that they just continuously find themselves in. So we're going to talk about that here. And again, knowing what this process is can help you guys and be more aware of your surroundings and yourself when you're making trades. So let's get into the 14 stages of trading psychology. And we'll have this visual here from one of the blog posts in the show notes for this podcast, which you can go to optionalpha.com slash show nine. Again, that's optionalpha.com slash show nine. We'll have this visual in here for you guys to look at as well. So the first stage in any kind of investor psychology is optimism, right? It all starts with that hunch or positive outlook 
that really leads us to buy a stock. And we're just talking about buying stocks here, not necessarily options, but you could relate it to buying an option spread or getting into a trade. And so that's always the first stage, right? We're optimistic. We want to get into that trade. We want things to go right. Now, the next one is obviously excitement. So that's number two, right? Things start moving our way and we get giddy, right? Like we're so, you know, giddy inside. We're, you know, telling everyone, we're telling our wife, hey, I made this trade and it's moving my way, right? And now we start doing something we should never, never, never do. And we start anticipating and hoping that this becomes that possible success story that we've been waiting for right? That this becomes that that trade that we've been waiting for that's going to really, you know, kind of blow things off, right? We're going to make a trade and it's going to go up 3,000%, whatever the case is, right? So we go to stage three and this is thrill, right? The market continues to be favorable. Our trade continues to go well and we just can't help but feeling a little smart in quotation marks, right? Feeling like, like, hey, I know exactly what I'm doing. Now I've got it, right? And we feel smart, and we feel like this is never going to stop. And at this point, we've reached almost the capitulation of what most people do at the top of a market, right? And I kind of actually relate this to where things are right now. So it's 2014, kind of the end of the year, the market's taken off again. People feel smart, right? Like yeah, I, I talk to family members and they're like, oh, you know, we've made some great investments. Yeah, yeah, just because they've gone up their, their great investments. Um, but this is this is kind of that psychology that people are in, right? That they they feel smart at this point. Number four is euphoria. So you get euphoric because this is the point at which things have reached a peak, right? That the stock has continued to move higher, even beyond your expectations. But this is also the point at which you reach maximum financial risk because now the risk of this stock or the gain potential of this stock continuing to go higher at this pace has now outweighed the financial risk. But at this point, you don't do anything, right? Because things are continuing to go your way. So you don't look at it from another angle thinking to yourself, okay, what's the probability that it continues to go up this way in this rate, right? At this rate of speed. And it's at this point that people are actually taking the most risk. And actually, sometimes people jump in at this exact point, which can be even more detrimental than where you probably jumped in on this example. So number five of our steps now, number four was euphoria. Number five is anxiety, right? So now the stock starts to turn around a little bit, right? And starts to go down. And so we have this kind of this oh no feeling in the back of our head, like, well, wait a second, it's turning around on us. This can't really happen, right? I'm this smart investor and I know, you know what I'm doing now. So this thing is turning around on us. And I've never seen this happen, right? Have you ever said that before, right? I've never seen this happen, but I'm gonna keep holding on because you know I think it's just you know, a slight temporary setback. Number six of our stages is denial. So now the market turns down quickly, right? So now it's not just kind of slowly turning over, but now it starts to turn down quickly. And now you start to really start to be like, whoa, whoa, something really is, you know, Something really is going wrong here. And you still keep that long-term view, right? And this is what happens at, you know, we saw this almost play out exactly when the market crashed in 0708. And the market had this kind of view that like, well, you know, the market was down, you know, 10% from the highs. And people were like, well, that's, you know, that's not a, a big sell-off. It's, it's just a correction, right? Things aren't really that bad in the mortgage and, and real estate and housing, right? It's just, you know, kind of one area, right? Subprime, 
right? You know, denial. It's just that, you know, subprime is just a small subset of the real estate market. It's not really going to affect everything. Okay, so that's denial. And that's that can be probably your last opportunity to get out with money or at least with no losses is once you reach this denial stage that you can possibly get out and, and savor what you did have. Now, the next stage starts to get a little bit you know, different, right? Starts to get more aggressive. And stage number seven is true fear, right? The reality sets in that we're not as smart as we once thought we were. And instead of being confident in our trading, we become confused, right? Like, did I make the right decision? Should I have taken a profit? Should I get out, right? And fear is really gonna be uh, confusion when it comes to making decisions, right? You, be, you get almost shocked into a state of non-decision, right? You don't even know what to do because you're so confused, okay? And that's, that's what fear looks like after this denial. Now, number eight comes in, and number eight is uh, dispersion. And dispersion is when all of the gains that you've had are lost completely, and you've had an opportunity to make money, and you've missed it. And, um, or I'm sorry, desperation. So desperation is when you get in there and you have all this stuff and you're like, you know what? I had an opportunity to make some money and I didn't make any money, right? I've lost all of that stuff. Now, again, I don't know what to do. So the only thing you fall back on is just holding it, right? You're like, well, maybe it'll turn around, right? And that now you're desperate. Maybe it'll completely turn around and it'll come back up to the highs and I'll make all the money back, back that I had. So number eight or number nine sets in now. Number nine is panic. So the stock continues to go down. Now, this is where people are really kind of stretched to the emotional extremes, right? At this point, you're completely clueless and helpless. You're frankly like a baby trading options, right? Like that E-Trade baby, right? And he's not all cool and smart, but that's sometimes how we act when we get into this panic mode because now not only have we not made any money, but now we're losing a lot of money, right? It's continuing to go down. And this is where panic selling comes in. This is where people start reaching their breaking points and stocks really start accelerating to the downside. Okay, and again, we saw this, almost exactly this process go through in 2007, 2008, 2009, kind of through the market crash and through the market bottom. Number 10 is capitulation. So capitulation is reached when you get that breaking point and that's when everyone just sells, right? And your whole idea at capitulation is, as long as I can get out of the market, I will get out of the market. I don't care what price. I don't care what happens. I just want to get out of the markets. And you start saying things like, maybe the markets aren't for me. Maybe I should not have made that investment. Maybe I should not even be in this arena making these types of trades and investments, right? And that's what happens at capitulation, which is number 10. So number 11, as we kind of close out some of these steps here, is despancy. And so after the markets get to this point of extreme selling, extreme pressure, then we kind of slow down, right? The, the bleeding starts to slow. And that, again, is the point at which people start to say, the markets are not for me, right? Things are, things are, are they're just not continuing to get as worse every single day, but they sure aren't getting better. And so people at this point start to leave the market. Now it's ironic because at this point in the investor stages of emotional psychology, that that is the rare point 
at which you have maximum financial opportunity. You see, when most people start exiting the market, right, you want to be entering the market. And it's at the point at which the markets are at its lowest, where fear it's at its highest. We've capitulated. Stock prices are just falling because people are just getting out of them at any price. It's at that point that you've reached the maximum potential for financial opportunity because the risk is completely or the reward is completely outweighed by the risk. You have a lot of upside reward with relatively low risk. And that's at the point which you should be buying. Completely counterproductive to the euphoria, right? That's that's the complete opposite. The point at which you had maximum financial risk because you were euphoric. You thought you were completely smart, that it would always go up forever. And your concept of risk was completely turned on its head. Now you've got to get in. Now, after that point, we go to number 12, which is depression, okay? And, and this is where things, things don't get better. Even if you get in, it just you know takes a little bit of time to start turning up, right? Things have to kind of settle down. Things have to change. Market-wise, they have to change. Emotional-wise, we've got to kind of uh, inner, you know, t- compartmentalize all of the information that we just went through, right? We went through a huge roller coaster. And we've got to take in all that information. It just takes us more time to process but once we actually start processing it, we you know we kind of get through that depression period, right? You might drink, you cry, you pray, you do whatever, right? You get superstitious. And once we get there that, through that depression period, then we get to step number 13, which is hope. And if you can get to hope, you're on the right path, right? At least you're on the right path. You haven't you know, completely lost everything. You get to hope and you think, you know what? Maybe things will return. Maybe this isn't the worst thing that ever happened to me. Maybe I learned from this opportunity and maybe things will turn around. And you get to number 14 now, and 14 is relief, okay? This is when things start turning back positive again, and we see those investments that we lost a ton of money start to regain some of their profits, and we start to have a little bit of relief, right? There's this weight that's lifted off of your shoulders, and you feel like, whew, okay, all right, things are things are getting better, right? We had hope, and now there's you know at least relief that we're starting to make some money back, and here's where the cycle starts all over again. Then you become optimistic and et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so those are the 14 stages of, of trading psychology that nearly every investor is going to go through. And it, and again, it, it took a little bit to kind of go through those, but you know you've been through those, right? I mean, like you're sitting there listening to a podcast right now or driving or walking your dog or at the gym or whatever the case is. You know that you went through those emotions, right? And especially when the market crashed, if you were trading then or even in... 2000, uh, 2000, 2001, when the market crashed then, you've gone through these emotions. But now you got to recognize them and realize that you have opportunities to either get out or get in and you need to take advantage of that, right? Warren Buffett's probably the best, best example of that, right? When people are fearful, he's buying. When people are greedy, he's selling. So I just wonder what he's doing right now because the markets are up at their highs, okay? So now that we've gone through those, those 14 stages, I think it's important to talk about herd mentality. Okay, so now that we we know and recognize these, sometimes we can also be swayed by media and publications out there because, you know, that has an influence on us. And this idea of herd mentality is the fact that as a herd, as a population, as a mass, we will trade based on what we hear we should trade, right? Like we see an article that says we should buy stock, maybe we buy the stock. Or we see an article that says maybe we should sell this and we sell that because the article said it. So we move in this herd mentality. But more often than not, herd mentality can be completely wrong. And you should actually do 
the complete opposite of what everyone else is doing, right? I mean, that's why you should make money. Because if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you know that most people don't make money in the market. So you should do the opposite. Here's an interesting little study using two Barron's uh, magazine covers. Okay, Barron's is a obviously a big publication. They reach a lot of people with you know Dow Jones and, and all that. A huge reach. Okay, so they have a, a vast influence on the market. Now, back in November of 2000, I'm sorry, let's actually look at the first one, which is March 9th. And I actually have it and I will link to the herd mentality uh, post in the show notes again, optionalpha.com slash show nine. But back in 2009, on March 9th, Barron's cover actually had an image of a bull flat on his face, right? Basically saying splat, the market is completely gone you know, bearish, and there's no chance of this bull kind of recovering, right? It's got this drawing of a bull and he's just, you know, laying flat on his face. He's kind of missed the target here. Well, it's funny because March 9th, 2009 was almost exactly when the market bottomed, right? Like shortly after that, the market bottomed at that point. So the media is saying, and these publication and Barron's was saying, hey, you know what? Bull market done, right? We're over. It's completely missing the target. Nothing's going to recover. What's going to happen? But that exactly ended up being the time at which you should have been getting in the market, right? Like we talked about uh, before with those stages, talking about number uh, 11 is getting into at stage 11. That's the point of maximum financial opportunity. Now, here's another example just to show you that it doesn't happen, you know, just one way. So they also, this herd mentality also will keep you from recognizing when the top of market is, okay? So now here's another Barron's cover. And again, it's in that same article we'll link from in the show notes, where on November 1st, 2010, Barron's had a headline that says, bye bye bear. It says the market predicts stocks will jump 7% as the economy continues to grow. Okay, so that's this this idea, and they have this this image of a bear kind of skateboarding off a cliff, right? And now that bull who was you know flat on his face before is now kind of laughing in the background, right? Like the bears are done, and and the market's going higher because we have recovered. We're kind of on a roll here, right? It's 2010. We've we've definitely moved off the bottom. When you go to the actual chart of the market in that time period, November 1st, 2010, the S and P was trading at about 1280. Literally two months later, the market had gone down 11%. Okay, so from the time the article and the cover came out, two months later, the S&P was down 11%, right? So it just goes to show you that all this stuff, this herd mentality, you see some of this stuff, it's almost like you could make money trading the complete opposite. When somebody says, hey, I'm buying a stock, maybe you sell it. When you hear somebody say, hey, I'm selling the stock, it's a dump, right? It's been losing, maybe you buy that stock or whatever the case is. And it can work out the same way in options trading and, and we can relate that to options trading all day long, right? When people are, you know, have high prices and options, we should be selling them, right? We should be selling volatility. When a volatility is low, we should be buying options generally and buying that cheap volatility, okay? So that's really a, a good segue is kind of learning how this herd mentality works and using these Barron's examples is a good, a good intro for that. Now, before we kind of wrap things up, I want to talk about how you break this cycle, right? How do you master your emotions when it comes to trading? And I think it comes down to this. It's having a system in place. Systems, whatever system you want to put in place, whatever trading plan you have or don't have for most people, 
But whatever trading plan or system you have, you've got to put that in place and enact that and follow that system because that's how you break away from being an emotional trader, being a whimsical trader, right? Like I see a lot of people when I do coaching where they're just whimsical, right? I'll ask them, I'll say, you know, like, what's your plan? What's your system? Well, you know, I'll generally do this and da, da, da. And right? like, it's kind of this drawn out. They're thinking about it at that time. But what you need to be is you need to be a trader that says, hey, this is exactly what I do. When implied volatility is above this level, I sell this strategy. And when implied volatility is below this level, I buy this strategy, right? Having a defined system in place then removes yourself from the equation because if a trade doesn't fit the system or the plan that you have, then you don't make that trade. And it's as simple as that. It's got to check all the boxes, right? If you have a trading checklist, it's got to check all the boxes. And if it doesn't check all the boxes of a trade that you would make in that market situation, you don't make the trade and you don't let your emotions get in there. You're just working on raw numbers, statistics, probabilities, and your trading plan. And that is exactly how you break this cycle of being an emotional trader. Now, here's the thing. Is it always easy to do that? No way, right? Of course it's not. That's, that's why the markets are, are so interesting to me because they always challenge me, right? There's always something new I can learn. But is it a worthy journey to go on? Of course. Of course it's worth going after. And anybody who's ever really, again, been serious about trading, you've got to sit down and start laying out some sort of rules, right? They can change over time. They don't have to be hard fast from now until you're 62 or if you're above 62 until you're 100. But you've got to lay out some rules to go by. And that's exactly how you break out of this, this mold. All right. So hopefully that was really cool to kind of go through that. But let's get into the closing bell. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. Okay. So in today's closing bell, what I actually want to look at are a couple stocks that we have on our radar uh, for working orders to make trades on because in particular to this episode, show number nine of the podcast, these are stocks that have been really beaten down, right? Like almost nobody wants to touch these things. And we think that therefore there's an opportunity to make some money in them, trading them possibly a little bit directional. Okay. We want to take some small directional bets. Again, kind of go against the grain, go against the herd mentality. The first one that we're looking at today is JCPenney, which is ticker symbol JCP, right? Now they've had a really tough time. Just in the last two months, they've gone from almost 11 and a half in stock price down to around 750, right? So they've had, that's a pretty big move for even a cheap stock, but they've kind of stabilized here. And you can see it on the chart that they've, they've had their capitulation, their sell-off, their fear, their panic, where the stock went down from nine and a half to eight in one day, which again, is that's a huge move in a stock that's around 10 bucks. But it's kind of stabilized here around 750. And so we think that now is that opportunity that we have of potentially maximum financial gain where the risk may be overshadowed by the reward, meaning that there's more reward than possible risk in this trade. And so what we're trying to do at this point, because it has low implied volatility, is we're going to go ahead and make a trade where we either buy a call spread, so take advantage of the market potentially moving higher and buy a call spread, or we might do something like a calendar spread, like a call calendar spread around the eight or nine strike. Again, just trying to take advantage of the stock potentially moving higher 
if it does in the next couple of weeks. Again, trying to play this thing a little bit different. The other thing that we're continuing to do is with the market being off, we've also uh, got another one that we're looking at, which is Groupon, and that's ticker symbol GRPN. Now, Groupon is very much the same way as JCPenney, where at the time of this recording, Groupon's trading just around $6, has some earnings coming up, uh, so it could pop after earnings. So we might make a trade in Groupon, but Groupon's come down from around $11 to $6, so it's almost been cut in half in the last six months, okay? So clearly the market is not favoring Groupon, but that doesn't mean that it might you know, turn around and, and we'll see what happens. But, but we might play again the same thing with JCPenney, either a call uh, credit spread where we take advantage just directionally or something like a calendar spread where we try to take advantage of some disparity in option volatility in the front month or the back month uh, options. So the November, at least at this time of the recording, the November options versus the December options and the volatility differential that exists there. So those are the trades that we're making. As always, you can check out all of our trades on optionalpha.com. Uh, as a member inside there and get all of these trades and exact strike prices and prices that we're getting into uh, by signing up for a free trial there. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. Okay, so I... I truly hope that you guys enjoyed today's show and got at least one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. And hopefully it's just this idea of removing yourself from the markets and becoming a less emotional trader and a more mechanical or systematic trader in how you do things. Now, as always, you can find all the additional show comments and some of the mentioned links and tutorials and images or videos that we talked about by going to optionalpha.com slash show nine. Again, that's the number nine. So optionalpha.com slash show nine for the complete show notes page. And until next time, happy trading.